Uh, I, I want to ask two questions um, or make an offer, but uh, Paul and I have been visiting families uh, here at Access, and if you could give me the number, please, that 3379 number, uh, I, I, this is the number and a message. If you'd like to have coffee, you don't have to feed me. I will work for food, though, but we can have, just have coffee, and I'll even bring the coffee, but, but I would like to visit with you, learn your story, hear about you, and so if you feel like it's time to do that, there's many of you I have not visited, and I would like to, and so that's the number to message on WhatsApp, and uh, we'll make arrangements, and I will come visit with you. Second thing is uh, I, need, um, I need someone, and I need you to pray about this, but I, I need someone who will say yes to hosting a, a home group across the city. I'm talking Queretaro, Salvador, San Jose, Panula, uh, that area. We have a lot of families that drive across the city to be here on Sundays, and we need something during the week. And I have not intentionally asked someone in, on purpose because I feel like the Lord's more than capable of laying that upon your heart and that you being obedient then to the Holy Spirit to say, okay, that's me. And so you can do the same number. Or you can just see me afterwards and say, yes, that's me. Or maybe you need to pray about that. But, but we do need that. We as a church need that. We as a church need also someone who will host in the city. We have... We need something uh, in the city. I'm not going to be a specific zone because we might need more than one. But I want you to be able to meet in home groups during the week. Those are disciple-making activities. And out of that, I believe and hope that we'll have more disciple-makers, people who will discover that's my ministry. But you do need some fellowship. You do need some connectivity. Some of you have been coming here for quite some time. And it, it is time. It is time to take the next step and to connect with other people so that you are known and we know you. Pray with me. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to jump in here. I was sharing with you last week, Easter Sunday, about the resurrection. Resurrection power. Apostle Paul talking about, well, resurrection power that's uh, available to us as believers. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That he is our victory. And that's where I want to pick up this morning. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 and 57, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not through anything you do, but it's what he has done, his finished work on the cross. That's our victory. And so when, we, when I talk about resurrection power and we talk about victory, I also know that it's very possible to hear the words victory, hear about resurrection power, hear about power of the Holy Spirit, sing about it even this morning but to also sit in isolation and think that is what other people experience. It's not what I experience. That somehow you have become a thinker that your thoughts have convinced you 
or someone said to you and you identify with what they say that there is no victory for you. That you have said yes to Jesus even. Followers of Jesus. But your struggle is very real. And maybe the struggle was generational. And maybe it's something that has gone on for years. And, and you, so we talk about victory and we talk about resurrection power. And it's not something that you can identify with. And so I hope that beginning today and over the next few weeks that we have together that I can share with you some very practical tools and ways that you can apply the power of God to your own life. Let me, it, it's going to be just like opening up the directions though to uh, something you purchase and you've got to assemble it and put it together. Some assembly required that you have actually got to do some W-O-R-K. You've got to take some action and we're going to talk about what those action steps are. Because your heavenly Father does not want you just dreaming about victory or thinking that that is what other people experience, but that that is attainable for you. And for that to be reality, it may be that you need to begin to get a glimpse and get a vision today of what it would be like to have life and have it be abundant and be full. And not be in a continuous struggle with something that has haunted you, even as a Christian, for many years. What I'm trying to tell you is that our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. There's nothing that you do that has, you have not thought about, at least for a, a millisecond. Some of us act before we think. Some of us speak before we think. But you did think for a moment. And probably your worst moment in your life, your worst moments, your worst season, you spent some time thinking about, pondering about, meditating upon what it was that you were going to do. And so that's what we're trying to expose today, to get you to begin to recognize what you are thinking about that is, that is happening before there is any action and you could already be thinking as I'm even speaking this morning because there's a voice, you hear my voice, and, but you hear, you hear a voice within you right now perhaps too. You're processing, you're looking around and thinking about what's for lunch or thinking about victory, thinking about resurrection power and thinking why well, maybe you haven't experienced that. That's what other people do. But you're sitting in the middle of a failure or you're sitting in the middle of an addiction and the enemy knows that the battle for each of us is internal. And he just has to inject a thought into your mind. And you and I begin to process and meditate upon that thought. And we think about it and we end up taking some action. Because it has, that thought has taken root in our heart. And it grows up and it ends up being something that's not God honoring. In Proverbs 23, 7 for as, a, as, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In different versions. But as we think, that's what we are. That's what we are doing. In Genesis 3, we have the... I'm, just, I'm not going to take time to read it today, but just to give you a recap. It's the fall of mankind. And there's a serpent who's crafty. 
And it begins to inject something into the, the mind, the thoughts of Eve. And I think at first glance, this chapter 3, it just kind of flows quickly. And you could think, well, that just happened in a moment or that happened in an hour before lunch on one day. But it could very well be that the serpent injected a thought and, the, and then Eve had time to think about and ponder and meditate upon that thought a bit. But the serpent in, in, <clears throat> injects a thought to say in verse 1, did God really say that? Did God really say that? And perhaps she begins to think about that. She, of course, did before she acted. But it's the same question that's being in, injected into many of our minds yet today. That we don't have proper filters in place. We don't have proper blocking in place. And so a culture around us, even unfortunately a church culture, not here but other places where there are many voices that inject into your own mind, it, did God really say that? And so we end up with churches that are woke and pastors that are woke and people that are confused. And let it not be this place, a place, a church where you will hear the word of God unfiltered, unchanged, and we address and we adjust ourselves to the word of God and not to culture. But you won't hear that everywhere. Did God really say that? And the conversation continues in verse 4, and you will, you will, you will not surely die, you're not going to die. And so... Eve begins to process those thoughts and ends up, she, Scripture says in verse 6, that she looks at it and she says, well, that, that's, that could be very good food. And it's pleasing to the eye. It looks really good. It looks really enticing. How many things are there in your life right now where they, they look good and you're, you're thinking about it, you're meditating upon it, and perhaps there's an enemy that has injected a thought into your mind that is trying to take root in your heart. And before you ever act, there will be thoughts that are processed. Another example, and Numbers chapters 13 and 14, they send out spies to look into the promised land and they look and they see that, oh yeah, there is, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Tremendous land and opportunity. It's, it's wonderful. It's good. But we're afraid because there are giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers to them. And we're grasshoppers in our own eyes and in their eyes. We're grasshoppers. They're so big. And so that comes back the report. And it looks too daunting. It looks too intimidating. And the thought is injected there among the people. You can't overcome this. You cannot make it. And you look like grasshoppers. They're bigger than you. You can't have this. You can't have this. And so they end up 40 years wondering. And I'm just thinking this morning, if, the, if that isn't very similar for many of us, that we look at the challenge and we do the math without God in the equation and it looks too insurmountable and the giant is big. And we just submit and you say, you know what, I'm just a... I'm just this or that, and 
and I can't overcome that. And so we end up suffering through and walking through a long wilderness season because we are afraid to trust God and claim what He has brought us to. It happens. It happens to many of us, if not all of us. But blessing is delayed because we see ourselves perhaps as grasshoppers. That's the way the enemy works. He plants seeds into our thinking. Seeds like worry. That you live your life worried all the time. You're always worried about what's going to happen. What's going to happen the end of the school year? What's going to happen when school ends? What's going to happen at the end of this year? What's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen? We worry. And you know you're not supposed to. But your spouse knows that you are a worrier. Your children know that you are a worrier because you are irritable. And your irritation is on display when you leave this room. Sometimes worry, the close cousin is fear. Worry becomes fear. And we know we're not supposed to be afraid. We know we're not supposed to fear. But yet, we do fear and we come by it honestly because fear has been passed on to us. It's what your mother did. It's what your grandmother did. It's been passed along. And so you are, tend to be a fearful person. You worry and you have fear. And the enemy just laughs and plants those seeds continually into your thinking. For others, it's temptation. Scripture says, flee sexual morality. But some of you embrace it. Scripture says flee. Scripture defines for us male and female. And that marriage is between one male and one female. It's covenant before God and before people. I say that often because I don't want you to be confused. I want you to be reminded that Scripture has given us direction. And we are not to flow with the waves. We're not to be like Eve in the garden and think, well, did he, God really say that? Yes, He did. He did. And we embrace it and we adjust our life and we inform those around us that we are in alignment with the Word of God. We are not caving to culture. The enemy, he plants seeds of doubt. Makes you doubt. You believe God wants to do something in your life, but you are constantly hounded by doubt. There are seeds of doubt, thoughts of doubt that coming into your mind and you're processing those, you're, you're harboring those, you're meditating upon it. It's doubt. It is Sometimes it's just that you're not good enough. You're not good enough. I... <laughs> I come from, I, I come from um, the hills, the backwoods. Some of you know that, some of you don't. But some would call me a hillbilly or a redneck. And, uh, and honestly, you know, when you get to places where God calls you to do things, it, it's very easy for the enemy to try to plant seeds, of, even in my own mind, to think, you know, you know where you come from, right? 
You know, you, you, you know where you come from. You know, you know where, where your family is. And I, you see that in Guatemala even. Sometimes people don't want to tell me where they come from. Be proud of where you come from. I'm not ashamed of where I come from. Because I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a child of the King. He has called me. He leads me. He empowers me. I am nothing apart from Him. But with Him and through Him, we, we, we walk together. And He calls me to walk in obedience. But I'm trying to tell you there are mornings that I wake up and I'm still lying in bed and the thought will come to my mind. You have nothing to say. You have nothing good to offer. Remember where you come from. Remember what has happened before you historically and generationally. That's a thought sometimes I wake up to in the morning. And I've got to do something about that. Because I know better. I know that that's not true. And so I know where that's coming from. It's coming from an enemy who wants me to miss my calling and miss my destiny. He, he's, he, he is a ruthless enemy, guys. There is no mercy. He will plant those seeds. The enemy is real. He has a real plan. And his plan is to shut you down, destroy your life, and show no mercy. And I'm afraid that most of us go through this life and we never take any next steps and we're limping through life and we're haunted by what has been said to us by someone in authority in the past or an enemy who is constantly planting seeds in your mind and you embrace and meditate upon those, those thoughts and it becomes the actions that are played out in your life and in your marriage and in your family and in your ministry and in your workplace. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the, war do, as the world does. It's a different kind of world, war. Not physical. Not a physical weapon. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. It's a different game. Different warfare. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And here's what we do, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And get this, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. That is an action item. That you take captive your thoughts. You cannot prevent the thoughts from coming. You have a crafty enemy causing you to want to question God and what God wants to do in and through your life to convince you that you're not going to fulfill your destiny. You're not going to fulfill the plan He has for your life because you begin to believe you're not worthy and you're not qualified and you're not able to accomplish it. And it's right here in verse 5 that we actively take captive every thought. How many thoughts? Every, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does Christ want to do in this moment? Not every thought that comes your way is a good thought. Let me, give me the slide, please, that has three things on there. 
Thank you. Even got Spanish. You guys are awesome. Here's how we take captive every thought. We first of all identify the thought. Well, where did that come from? When I'm lying in bed and I'll wake up to feeling oppressed and and I'm being attacked and, and challenged as to who I am and what I'm about and what I'm about to do. Where did that thought come from? It did not come from my Heavenly Father. It did not come from my good, good Father. That thought came from the enemy of my soul and yours. That's, I, I, I know where it comes from. Does it align with the Word of God? Absolutely not. I'm a child of the King. You're a child of the King. That You that walk with Him have put your faith and trust in Him. And so we know that we know where it comes from. We know that it does not align with the Word of God. And so we have to take some action. And you have to take those thoughts and say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, the name above all names, I'm taking authority over this, these thoughts right now. Satan, you must go. In the name of Jesus, breaking whatever you have going on right now, but that is not true. The Word of God says otherwise, and I bind you in the name of Jesus. You take authority as a believer over the thoughts that are ungodly and that are being processed in your mind. It's an action to take. And, and how often it might be that we are very passive about that and we just lay there in the bed and then roll over and go back to sleep for a few hours because we're not ready to face the world. Or you get up and those thoughts continue and you allow it to continue and you get down on yourself and you get, you get down over what God has called you to do. There is activity here. If every believer in this room would recognize where some of these thoughts come from, realizing it does not align with the Word of God, and then begin to take authority as a church, as a believer, over your life and your family and your marriage and your home, to say, out with you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. It's not me, but it's His resurrection power on the line. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that I'm tapping into. And the third thing, change the narrative of the story. I'm walking through the house the other day and I hear my 10-year-olds singing, uh, singing worship. They're singing Firm Foundation. And that inspired me. Because I've gotten up to a, it, it's off to a messy start. But I'm thinking, you know, there's got to be something right here. My kids are helping me, reminding me, I can change this narrative. And so I go down and I turn on my sound bar and I turn on my playlist and the house is filled with worship. I've just changed the narrative and changed the story. And my kids are joining me in unison. He's a firm foundation. That, that is your ability to do something, to take some action, to change this atmosphere, to change the narrative, to change the story, to do what Paul is telling us to do, to take captive every thought. Every thought. 
Oh, if you could grasp this today. If you could grasp what it is to take captive every thought. I have people in my life that I'm thankful for, ancestors before me, that they didn't always find the right words looking back, but I, I know now what they were trying to say. And, but at the time, especially as, as, as an unbeliever, I just saw what they were saying. They were saying, like, don't, don't put yourself in this place. Or don't, don't allow yourself to be entertained by certain places or, or certain movies or music. And I, I thought, wow, that's just a bunch of rules. And that's a bunch of religion. And I don't, I'm not sure I want to be involved in that. I, and, and now I look back and I, I see things through a different filter and through a different way. And what they were trying to say, what they were trying to give words to was this very thing that you, you, you've got to take captive every thought, every atmosphere, every, every word, every environment, every source of entertainment does not have your best interest at heart. Causes you, in fact, to question God. Did God really say that? And so now I realize, you know, it, it does matter what I see and what I do and how I entertain myself. I also find that the longer that I'm, I'm following after God and following after Christ, the less entertainment that I need. I don't need to be entertained all the time. I don't, I don't need to watch things. I don't need to watch things that used to entertain me. What, in, what I know and what I want to find now is the presence of God. I want that. And so I can, now that I have a few years on me, I can look back and see, yeah, what they weren't really trying to give me a set of rules they were trying to get me to see what's valuable and what is not valuable. I went this week to the movies. Hadn't been in a long time. I went to see the Mario thing. I never played Mario much. But now the kids liked it and I got some good popcorn. And, and, and it, I, you know, it was entertaining. It, it wasn't, I didn't see anything terrible. But I did see all the other movie options that were there. Do you have that? I just took a picture of it. This is the other options that were available if you didn't want to watch Mario. Uh, communion with the devil, I think it is. That's one option at Sinopolis right now. Purgatory, another fabulous option, I'm sure. Uh, the Exorcist of the Father, that's on down there. Uh, Zodiac signs. I mean, th this is what they're promoting. This is what you get to see. This is what's trying to feed minds of uh, your neighbors and your co-workers and people you go to school with and trying to inject thoughts into, into your mind and your thinking. What do you think? Anything you want to spend some money on? Because if you're someone who's worried and fearful, you think you're going to gain anything from watching several of these movies? I mean, it's your call. But I don't, I don't see any good coming from this. If you're a person who worries and has fear, and you're going to sit for a few hours and watch and be fed by some of these things, it causes me to question them. What, what are the things that, that we are being entertained by? Because when we are entertained then by a movie, 
by Netflix, by music that we hear and with um, games that we play, it tends to desensitize and normalize some behavior that's contrary to the Word of God. Many series that I've seen, you know, on, on Netflix and they, they want to lock you in and get you to watch this series, but in those series and in many movies these days, it is to normalize what is sexually immoral. And you, you see that, and you meditate on that, and you think about that, and then you sit here today, and you're struggling with an area of sexual morality in your own life. What I want you to do, child of God, is question what it is that you are spending time and money and and effort on. I'm not giving you a a list of rules. I'm trying to lead you to a place of victory in your life. I want victory in my life. And I pray and hope that you do as well. That you don't, if you're struggling with anything right now, you're, it's angry and yet you're, you're, you spend your time playing some video game that normalizes uh, drug trafficking or stealing stuff and, 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 and crazy things like that. Do you see where that could feed into your mind and feed, feed into your life and get you normalizing, normalizing thinking that leads you to a place where you're comparing, well, I don't have what they have and what I have is not as nice as what they have and, and you end up... Did God really say that? And maybe I can engage in something crazy. Victory will look like you and I taking every thought captive and bringing it obedient to Christ. Here's what's going to happen when thoughts come in. You see, something is going to get bound. Either you're going to get bound or you're going to bind something up because you have had enough and you've seen enough. Some of you feel like God's going to lead you to do something in your life. Something big perhaps even. I was drawn this week to the story of Peter and Jesus said you're going to be sifted like wheat in Luke 22. And he was. To the point where not only am I not with you to the end, Jesus, but I'm denying you three times. And just like you said, and I hear the cock crow three times. There's the temptations of Jesus. Satan saying, you know, throw yourself down. Make a big scene. Let me give you all this. And Jesus responds every time it is written. It is written, it is written, child of God, do you know what is written? Are you able to quote scripture? Are you able to do anything to identify with scripture? Because if you're not in the word, then you have nothing to call upon. And it's very easy then for a seed, a thought to enter your mind and be processed by you and you have no foundation to fall upon. Deuteronomy 11 talks about fix these words of mine in your heart and mind, teach to your children, write it on your door frames, write it on your gate, the word of God to remind you. Philippians 4.8 tells us this, the Apostle Paul, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
This is what you think about. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Praiseworthy, excellent, pure, right, those things, that what we want processing in our mind, filtered by the Word of God, filtered by the origin. Did that come from God or not? Does it align with the Word of God or not? What does it look like to actually remember and think about, well, God has not changed. We hear that at Access a lot. The same God that was with Moses and with Joshua, would he also be with me? Could be as simple as that, to simply be able to tell the enemy, you know what, depart from me in the name of Jesus, because I'm trusting in the same God that was with Moses. In, in, in the promise that he was with Moses, he'll also be with you, Joshua. I want that too. I want him with me. I'm trusting that he is with me every step of every day, and he has not left me. In order to take action, to be able to take every thought captive, it looks like that you and I would need to engage with a little bit of attitude to say, you know what, this is not happening to me anymore. This is not happening anymore. I recognize, enemy, you have inserted thoughts. You have made my life miserable, and I'm not living like that. I'm taking authority over those thoughts. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to have an attitude because my story's going to end different than what you're whispering in my ear. My God has called me. He has a plan for me. He has a destiny for me. has a ministry for me. And I am going to walk in the authority of that and it will change my life and my direction and my children and my children's children and my spiritual legacy will be different because I'm trusting in the God who is able, who has not left me. He's with me. I love in Joshua chapter 2, you know, back to grasshoppers. And I'll have this for you, but you can look at this later. But Rahab gives the report back to, as they go back in, and she lets them know, you know what? Everybody's actually very much afraid of you. They don't see you as grasshoppers. In fact, there's great fear. She says they're melting in fear. She says their hearts have melted because of what God has done. And so, folks, there is perception, and there's what's being whispered in your ear, and then there is reality. And the reality can be far different than what you're thinking in your mind. And we're not giving God enough credit for what He's done and what He's doing. And we end up in a wilderness situation for a season or longer. Folks, I'm trying to give you some very practical tools today. Tools to help you. As a, with the authority of, a, of the believer... To be able to take authority over the thoughts that are in your mind and protect you because you introduced your own filter system that, you know what, you're right. All these things that are, I'm using to entertain myself are not from God. That's not the source. And it's causing worry and anxiety and compromise in my life. Peyton and these guys can come. I'm going to... I'm going to wrap up, and I just want to pray over you today. I want to pray over you and give you opportunity, guys, to begin to take on the authority.
that God has given you in your life. That resurrection power, not just something that's for everybody else, but it is for you in your life. That you're able to recognize, yes, God has called me. He has equipped me. He has empowered me. And I have been processing some thoughts that are not from Him. And you want to break that today. You want to be able to move forward and say, you know what? I'm going to remove some influences from my life. Not because there are a bunch of rules and, and regulations and, and religious activity, but because it's best for my walk with Him and my pursuit of victory. A lot of you need victory in your life. We're going to continue beyond this day, the coming weeks, sharing with you practical ways for you to walk in victory as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, for you to renew your mind. Renewing my mind has meant for me that I'm going to, I've had to find some things, you know what, I, 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 don't, I need to discard that. I don't, I don't need that anymore in my life. I need something new. I need the breath of heaven. I need the presence of God. I need what God brings to the equation. And that's not exclusive for me. Guys, that is for all of us. You can walk with God and know Him and see Him participating in your life and your ministry and changing the direction of everything as He renews your mind. It's, it's real. It's not mystical. It's not far off. It is here. And it's now. Today as we close out in song, it's always an opportunity to, to respond. And I, I don't begin to know every way that God may speak to each of us. There may be a great need in your life. And we haven't even mentioned it yet today. But you feel like you want to pray. Well, we invite you to come and find a prayer partner up here today. Let us pray for you. Others of you, God may have spoken directly and just said, you know what, this is your next step of obedience. And maybe he spoke that to you months ago. And you're here today, God, show me something, give me something. Maybe the Holy Spirit would remind you, I told you that months ago. And you're still not walking in the obedience that I called you to. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for a little bit of time today to look at your word and the challenge that it is to take every thought captive. Some of us today, we've never done that. And I pray today for all of us that we may engage in an activity that brings us in alignment with your word and your character and who you are and what you want to do in and through us where fear is overcome, worry is overcome, temptation is overcome, mediocrity is overcome, disobedience is overcome. Because God, we align ourselves with you and your word, and we take captive every thought to bring it in obedience to Christ. Lord, may that happen right now across this room. Holy Spirit, as you come and you move among us as we sing, but we sing with a purpose. We sing as a church that is on mission, and we sing as one that is seeking after you, Lord. We would want nothing more than to see your spirit pour out over this place today. As your people who gather in your name, we leave here in absolute obedience, 
full of the Holy Spirit, full of the presence of God, ready to walk out and claim territory back from the enemy. Lord, let that be the the case today. Let that be the reality today in the name of Jesus.